Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Everybody, welcome back to Sacred City Vision Drip. I am here today wanting to move the ball down the field on this mini-series that I started last week about building a godly home, which I believe is, is not just a concern for um, husbands and wives and, and parents of children, um, but it, it should be a top concern for all Christians, um, regardless of, of if you're single, if you don't have kids yet, um, because what you do right now, how you think right now, the, the disciplines and rhythms you have set up right now in your life will affect the future of your household. And and so last week what I did, I tried to, to develop um, and to, to dismantle some of the misconceptions that are attached to building uh, a godly home and to give us a compelling vision forward for what it looks like um, to build this kind of godly home, something that's appealing. Um, and so what I want to do today is talk about the foundational aspect, the thing that it, that really drives the, the, the compelling vision for a godly home, the thing that sets us on the trajectory uh, of creating an adventurous home, a, a joyful home, a loving home, a buoyant home. Um, the thing that sits beneath it all is a home that is built upon the foundation of Scripture. For us to build a godly home, the Word of God must permeate every aspect, every square inch. It is the foundation for building a godly home. Now, we come to the Word of God because not only does it give us a command to build a godly home, um, we see this in places like Proverbs 3, by, by extension. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Um, it, well, in all your ways, well, that, that also, that's a big umbrella for all of your life. Let all your life, including building of your household, acknowledge Him. And this, this acknowledging Him isn't merely a tipping of the hat of God while you carry on doing what you're doing, but to actually allow Him to bear um, the most amount of weight in your everyday life, in every aspect of a life. And, and going to Psalm 127, which says, unless the Lord builds the house, um, those who build it build in vain. Or put it in this way, unless the Lord builds the household, those who build it labor in vain. For us to build a household that will not be futile, we must do it according to the Lord. Um, the, the scriptures commands us, but not only does it command us to do this, the word of the Lord gives us instruction on what a godly home looks like. There, there's all kinds of places and in, in, in throughout Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament alike, that give us uh, uh, instruction, um, some sort of a vision and clarity and what it looks like, what the characteristics of a godly home. We see, for example, personally speaking, um, uh, uh, it begins here with the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Um, you, you start to see those things. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, for men, there's a command, act like men. 
Be watchful. Be firm in the faith. Be strong. Um, Proverbs 31, going to the Old Testament. Women, fear the Lord. Right? These are personal characteristics. This is what um, the, the foundational building blocks that, from an independent or individual sense um, that contribute to the building of a godly home. It starts with um, personal responsibility. And from there, it stems out into marriage in Genesis chapter 2, um, that, that a husband and wife should leave um, the, the, their parents and cling to one another, um, that the two become one flesh. You see uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 3, 1 Peter 3, um, instructions for, for men um, to lead, um, to, to lead into love as Christ leads and loves the church, um, for women to submit as the, the church submits to Christ. Um, we see those dynamics in marriage. Those are aspects of building a godly home. I hope to unpack some of those um, in, in upcoming episodes. For kids and parents, um, Exodus 20, uh, the, the, in the Ten Commandments right there, honor your father and mother, that it will go well for you. Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives parents instructions on how to train your, how to raise your kids. Ephesians chapter 6 is another place that, that calls back on Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 6 and says, raise your children in the fear of admonition of the Lord. Parent, uh, on, um, children, honor and obey uh, your parents. And then you see even how the, how the nuclear ha- nuclear family extends beyond that into the family of families, into the church, and you see guidance of how the household ought to order itself in, in, in 2 John 1 and Titus 2 and Colossians 3 of, of how um, family members or how these families connect to other families within the network of, of the church. Therefore, um, the primary tool that we use in, in, is the Word of God and the fact that it commands us to build a godly home and it tells us what a godly home is should look like. Um, but not only does it give us this blueprint, it sustains a godly home. That, that you cannot build a home um, without being sustained, a godly home without being sustained by the Word of God. That there has to be the spiritual power and, and energy from Christ that gets um, transferred from God to you through the Word so that you can give yourself to the hard, hard work. Um, just as Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone. Well, a godly household cannot be sustained on bread alone, on natural means alone, on charisma and drive and dedication alone, the the godly household must be sustained by the Word of God, just as our individual individual lives must be um, sustained on the Word of God. And so with that, um, we come to the conclusion that our households need to be saturated, not just not just a little sprinkle here and there, but a complete saturation with the Scripture so that the Word of God would permeate every square inch of our home. Now, that might be a little overwhelming. I want to break it down here. But let me start with this. Having a scripture-saturated home, having a, a word that, that is saturated by the word of God goes beyond simply hanging up Hobby Lobby decor that has your favorite verse on it, right? Um, now, certainly it's a start. I'm not against that. Um, I, in fact, I'm a, I'm a pretty big advocate of that because Deuteronomy 6 uh, gives us some direction and actually sets a biblical precedent to practice um, home decor, right? If you if you thought that the, the Bible didn't have anything to say about home decor, you're wrong. Go to Deuteronomy 6. It'll talk to you about that. Um, but... but um, but it, cert- it includes that, but it certainly does not limit itself to that. In fact, I would say 
that I, that doesn't even acknowledge the bare minimum. There's more to um, making a a biblically saturated home than posting some stuff up on on the on the wall. So going beyond the word written on the walls, we have to embrace the written word in our hearts. There has to be this love, um, th- this cherishing of the word of God taking place in our own hearts, um, as as we're told that the God places he he is written his word his law upon our hearts for us to meditate and to uh, dwell on and to uh, to cherish. So in order for our households to take on a love for the word of God, um, in order for our households to to help hold those hold the word of God dearly and to love it, um, it has to start with the individual members of that household being inclined to love the word of God. Um, th- this fits in with what C- Paul commands in Colossians chapter three sixteen, where he says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God." So here he's telling us, "Hey, um, teach and admonish one another, um, sing those h- songs, S- sing aloud, give thankful- thankfulness to God, make make those things known to one another." But the prerequisite to doing that is to letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, letting the gospel, the word of the gospel, the word of God sit in your hearts, to marinate in it, to, to cherish, to, to revel in it. Um, and an individual, in order to do what God has called us to do in that endeavor, um, whether it's within the local church or within our local home, or local home, our household, um, we have to be people who dwell richly on the word of the Lord. And I, I'm not just talking like a little snack bite, because it's easy to say, well, a verse a day, that's not enough. A verse a day is not enough. I mean, a verse a day is a great place to, to go to and come back to um, throughout the day and reflect on it. I'm not against a verse of the day, but we got to be people who are diving deep into the Word of God. And, it's, and sometimes it's not about quantity. It's about quality. Um, if you're reading a chapter a day and you're really milking it for all it's worth, that's far better than reading like six chapters a day just to get through a, a Bible reading checklist. Uh, we want to be people who take time to feast on the Word of God, which is one of the reasons why we are pushing this Feast to Flourish campaign um, throughout the year 2022. We want to be people who who more and more feast on the Word of God. We, we belly up to the table of, of the Word of God so that we can be satisfied uh, in the deep, um, deep, deep corners of our hearts. Um, so we, we to be people who, who live into this command, we have to let the word of Christ uh, dwell richly in us. And, and in that, there is promise of becoming blessed, this, this flourishing man that we see in Psalm, um, Psalm 1, the very first, be- the, the first book of the Psalms. Is, it goes like this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So right here we see this, this, uh, this departure from the way of the world, um, the way that the, the masses see the world and understand the world, to, to being people who view the world in light of God's law, with a, with a biblical lens, that we would be people who delight in the law of the Lord. Um, and, and then it says this, On his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. There, There is this idea and it's a biblical concept that that as you feast on the word of God, as you meditate on the word of God, God is priming your soul. He's cultivating your soul for flourishing uh, and, and so that you would prosper regardless of whatever season of life because you are like a tree planted by a stream of water, right? You're, you're drawing from Christ who is 
is a living water. Now, this has to happen um, with with within the home of all members, right? And and um, this especially goes for the the spiritual leaders of the household, um, especially men. You. This goes for the leaders, the primary spiritual leaders of the home uh, is men, and and we need to men be we need to be men of the book. We need to be knowledgeable in the in in the matter of word of God. We need to grow in our understanding of what the Scripture teaches to develop a biblical worldview. Um, and, and now this doesn't mean you need to be an expert theologian in something. This doesn't mean that you've got to go all in and, and have some sort of a, a career change so you can devote your entirety of your life um, living, you know, studying the Word of God, um, which maybe it does. Maybe that's a calling God puts on your life. Um, and let's talk if that's the case, because we always need more godly men pursuing the ministry, church planters, missional community leaders. We, we need men like that. Um, but for many of us, many men, you're, God's going to keep you in the same vocation. But but even with that, you have this responsibility to to grow in your understanding and know where to find the answers, whether that's going to your missional community leader or going to your pastor or going to your fight club, whoever whoever that might be to help you grow in your understanding or, or go to the right books that help you develop a biblical framework. Um Men, you have to do this. This this is this is not an optional part of the calling upon your life. It is absolutely mandatory. Otherwise, if you don't do this, if you're not a man of the word, uh, if you're not knowledgeable in the scriptures, how are you going to wash your wife with the water of the word like you're commanded to do in Ephesians? How are you going to do that? How, you, you might be able to wash your wife, but but can you do it with the water of the word? Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to be this cleansing water? Or are you going to throw dirt in the wounds, right? Because that, that's basically the two options. You, you either give her um, the word of God, which which is is for flourishing, or you you pollute her wounds uh, w- with something that is is contrary to the word of God. Um, so do you know how to do that? Well, the Word of God is going to instruct you on what it looks like to wash her with the water of wor- the Word. Um, or, or in this other context of training your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Can you point them in the right direction? Can you teach them what it looks like to walk in the fear of the Lord? Are you doing that? Um, the Word of God is definitely going to grow you in your fear and reverence of the Lord. Um, it's going to show you the way of the Lord. The, the law of the Lord shows us the way of the Lord. But if you're not in the Word, you cannot do this for your children, which creates a huge problem. So we must be men of the Word. We must be students of the Word yourself. This is this is the posture uh, of, of those who take um, the role of the pastor of their household, which is what husbands and fathers ought to see themselves as, the spiritual leaders of the home. You're, you're, you're the pastors of your little church. Um, and so we must be men of the Word. But this goes for women as well. Um, it's not just men who are leading the homes. Um, husbands and wives come together. Um, men and women and, and fathers and mothers come together to carry out this mission. God, gave, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you follow the creation mandate, the, the cultural mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. He, he says he gives that responsibility to Adam first. I want you to name the animals. I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to see to its flourishing. I want you to develop it. I want you to make it more beautiful than what it already is. Take the, take the raw materials and make something more beautiful out of it. Now, when God says that to Adam, he might have might have well said, fill the home and subdue it. Now, there's a problem here because Adam cannot fill the earth. He cannot fill the home. He cannot bring about children in and of, of himself. He needs the he needs a helper that's fit for him. He needs his counterpart. He, that's just, what's why God makes Eve and says she is a helper that is fit for Adam. So while God gives Adam the mission, God gives Adam 
uh, God gives Adam a co-laborer as well. He, he makes Eve a helper that is fit for her. So, so what we need to see here, when, when we come to this, we need to see that, yes, men t- lead the charge in this developing of a godly home, but women, you play a vital role in this, huge role in this. Can't be overstated how much you contribute um, to the development of a godly home. So much so that I just, I just want to I want to erupt when I hear Christian moms, or, or in fact any mom, um, use the language, this common cultural language of saying like, oh, I'm, I'm just a mom. Uh, I, I just stay at home with the kids. I think that should be wiped out totally from our Christian vocabulary. I think that is a, a, I think that's blasphemy against the Word of God and the vocation of motherhood and, and the family. Um, because what you do, there's incredible significance um, to the work of shaping and molding the souls of eternal creatures, okay? The kids that you have, the kids that God have put in your care are eternal creatures that will live with God forever. That has a, a far greater significance than, than your husband, whether he's going to to crunch numbers as an accountant or a guy that's taking out the trash, okay? Or even... even even a, well, there's a lot of significance there. We'll just say that. And so mothers, um, wives, do not overlook the significance uh, in your vocation of homemaking and child rearing. It is so vital, so crucial that contributes to this building of, of a godly home. And and what we find is that um, the home, much like um, churches and and corporates, uh, corporate um, entities, it all rises and falls on leadership. Um, the, 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 the family life, the quality, the vitality of a family life will be determined um, by the spiritual vitality of its leaders. That, that personal devotion, out of personal devotion, will flow family devotion. And we see this progression happening in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In, in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. Now, when he says you, he's speaking to he's speaking to the entire nation of Israel. Um, but there's also this individual responsibility that that's both singular and plural. He's saying you all shall love the Lord your God. But he's also saying you, as an individual, take responsibility to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today, uh, today shall be on your heart. So there's this individual responsibility. There's this this individual call amongst the the whole people um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then it goes on to this. You shall teach them, that is the law, diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them, that is the law, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So there you have it. Um, There's your biblical call to go get some Hobby Lobby um, wall decor, Um, to to put them on your doorposts, to put them on your house, put them on your gates, make the law known, Um, make these reminders, put them on your hands. Um, put them on front. It's like the whole thing, the frontlets between your eyes is this is the way that you view the world now is through um, this lens. And in this, there's all kinds of things we could dig into here. But let me just, just cap this. Say it gives us a picture of fam, family devotional life, um, that it starts with the individual and moves into uh, the rest of the family. And when we talk about family devotional life, 
we have this tendency as as evangelicals, modern evangelicals, to sort of truncate what that entails, what do, what a family devotional life looks like, um, to make it like a window of time from five to fifteen minutes. That that at best it happens every night or every day, um, and 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 you know maybe for more more honest, it's a little more sporadic than that. Um, where, where it's sort of in and out, maybe one day a week we get to some family devotional time, um, you know, like really meaningful sit down, let's pray together, let's contemplate the Word of God, let's read a Bible uh, lesson together. Um, we, we sort of reduce what that word devotion, which comes out of devotional, we reduce what that means. And as Christians, we need to have a bigger f- picture of what that means. Kind of going back to um, the sermon last week of this, we see this the temple consecrated. We see um, the Levites consecrated, set aside for uh, the work of the ministry. There's this devotion that engulfs all of their lives, and that goes on on for us too as as the priesthood of, of all believers, is, is that we all have um, this responsibility. We all have this thing that where God has placed a calling on all of our lives in a total sense, um, and, and as that calling um, manifest itself in different environments. It, it might look differently, and you can break it down into two categories. First, you see this this formal setting where you're teaching diligently, right? There's times of instruction. Um, it, it's sort of intentional. It might be under the um, umbrella of education. You have this prioritized Bible time that is more formal setting of teaching and instructing. And then you see a lot of this informal time, right? Depending on on what's going on in various uh, environments that that you you contribute to or you create. Um, there's both formal and informal as you are sitting down, as you're going, as you're laying down, as you're waking. That pretty much sums it up, right? It's hard to it's hard to envision much of life beyond those four things. Um, all of those things get tied into uh, your your discipleship. So there, there's not really this downtime. Um, for instructing, it's like the, you're always on the clock as a parent for instructing your children in the way of the Lord. You're always on the clock for creating a scripture-saturated home that you would bring your kids into an understanding of the Word of God. Because it, and it's not just to keep you busy, it's because all of life pertains to this. All of discipleship connects to um, godly living, especially if we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might, as we're commanded to in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, thinking through some of these formal settings, these informal settings, um, that we need to start thinking uh, as parents, as as even 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 if you're just married right now without kids, what are some reg- regular rhythms that we can establish that can help develop um, a a Bible saturated home? What are what are some some things that we can do um, day in day out, week in week out, monthly rhythms, weekly rhythms that will help us and our children develop a biblical worldview? So the scriptures are like frontlets in front uh, before our eyes that that are between our eyes that that's we we view everything in light of those things, um, and so I've got a few things. I got I got three things that I want to put before you as. Um, as rhythms, uh, or at least things to think through that can help you develop um, some re- regular rhythms in developing a godly home um, that, that roots us in the Word. Number one is to prioritize the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Follow uh, to obey the fourth commandment, um, where we we observe rest and 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 worship. We come together uh, with the the communion of the saints. We we worship with the family, the assembly of God. Uh, we embed our family within the covenant community, and as we do so, it's not just about worshiping together on Sunday mornings. It goes beyond that. You see, missional community life plays a factor in that, um, but but we have this prioritization specifically on the Sabbath um, to give ourselves to the worship of the Lord as a family. 
Um, and, and as we do that, as we live life um, in connection with other, other covenant families, that uh, helps us redefine the norm of our own family. Um, we, we no longer look to sexual, sec, secular culture. It is kind of a sexual culture. Uh, secular culture uh, to tell us what is a family norm. We, we go to the Word of God, and we have some brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing, and we find our definitions there. And as we all give ourselves to this, we find some strength in numbers. We, we find a sense of encouragement. We find this, this will, and, and we eventually find this beauty of what we're creating together um, not just in these isolated homes, but a network of families that are giving themselves um, to the same thing. Um, so I would say the first thing is prioritize the Sabbath. Um, and as extension, prioritize missional community life. Um, now going beyond that, and more into the nuclear household um, of what day in, day out looks like, you, you need to create some devo- daily devotional rhythms, things things that serve as touch points um, throughout your day to help bring your kids back to God, to, to um, situate them before the Word of God. So, for example, bedtime... Um, it is a great opportunity to do Bible time with, especially young kids, um, to sit down with the Jesus Story with Bible or or the Gospel Project or what's it called, the Gospel Gospel Story Book. I think that's it. Um, the, these other Bibles that are geared for kids in different ages, um, and as they move as they move up in age and, and mature, um, there's a need for you to kind of um, change the material that you're using, where you graduate from from a Jesus Storybook Bible, something that's a little bit more um, geared for kids in uh, late elementary school. And then beyond that, you're going to start digging into the real Word of God, reading through the Gospel accounts and reading some of these passages and um, in the Old Testament, these stories that tend to get watered down um, through in kids' Bibles and giving them a real, uh, giving them a real meal of, of the Word of God. Um, another daily devotional rhythm that you need to instill in your family is, is prayer, whether that's um, before meals, bedtime, on your way to school, um, in the midst of discipling and, and instructing instructing your kids um, in what is right and wrong, praying for God's help um, and the Spirit to move in their life, their heart, um, to love the Word of God, to to obey God and to obey their, their mother and father. Um, or even in, in, the, in navigating relational and emotional issues, um, using prayer um, frequently in those scenarios that come up through the day in day out stuff of raising kids. Uh, and the next two things that we can use as daily rhythms um, that help us in, in this endeavor of building a godly home is song and catechism. We're commanded to address each other with hymns and spiritual songs, um, and and. And those are incredible, just like just like catechism um, of implanting gospel truths in kids' kids' hearts. Song songs are like uh, hymns are like theology on fire. Um, it has the ability to like capture um, well first to to ingrain a good theology in the kids kids' mind, but then to give them a language for worship. Um, that that's really powerful. It uh, should be a staple of the Christian home. And catechism, too. Kids are like sponges. They absorb so much. It's unbe- unbelievable. I mean, just, you're always blown away when you see that your kids, after watching like the, the latest Disney movie three or four times, they have almost every line memorized. It's ab- absurd how well their mem- memory functions. Well, you can you can leverage that memory um, with the Word of God, with with fun songs and catechism questions that teach them these... these um, doctrines and these these theological tenets of the Christian faith. Um, and then 
to think beyond that, we, we have to think about education. And, and I, I'm going to devote a whole podcast to this uh, later on, but, but we have to think when we're talking about the daily devotional rhythms um, to give our kids a distinctly Christian education, um, which means now for some of us, um, there's there's not always a one-size-fits-all. I think there's a best-case scenario. I think that there's a best practice um, when it comes to to educating our Christian children. Um, but but that might mean, if your kid's in public school, that you have to be really thorough um, in... in, in um, in combing through what they've learned um, in in a secular government education, and you have to connect it to Christ. Um, it, it means that you you might have to go back and and unteach certain things so you can reteach what is actually true according to the Word of God. That's something that that if you're going to put your kids in public education, you have to do. You cannot neglect this responsibility. For those of us um, who are are pursuing um, more. Um, Christian, you know, Christian-saturated, distinctively Christian education, whether that's within um, uh, homeschooling um, or within um, a private Christian education, we have to think through um, our children's education being not just uh, like Jesus being one piece among the many, but Jesus being the substance which holds all things together, that in him we move and live and have our being, um, in him, all of the cosmos is held together, which means that every every topic, every subject in school comes back to Jesus in some way. Um, the reason why math works is because Jesus, <laughs> right? Uh, the reason why history means something, it's, it's, we look at it through the lens uh, of, of God's redemptive story that's being told through the scriptures. Our kids' education has to have this distinctively Christian um, aspect to it. Um, now, to do some of these things, now that's a daily rhythm. I'm going to get into the, that more. I know I'm just kind of dipping my toe in there. Um, but when we think about these daily devotions, the, these daily rhythms that we can establish, it, it probably means that we need to evaluate some of the rhythms that we've already got going on. Um, some of the rhythms that that we may not necessarily be proud of, things that sort of just fell into place, um, that, that wasn't necessarily by our own doing, we've sort of slipped into it. Um, and some of these things, I'd say like screen time, evaluating screen time. How much time do you spend on in front of your phone? How much time do your kids spend um, watching YouTube and Netflix? Um, how much time... Um, how much time are, are you guys apart in a different room rather than enjoying each other? Maybe you're reading stories, maybe you're reading the Bible, um, you, you're singing songs together, you're just having fun family game time, um, evaluating things like screen time. Other thing that you got to evaluate is, is what our extracurricular c- commitments look like. Uh, I think we're in a day and age where it's so easy for, for sports and music and drama and dance and, you know, you, I don't know, you find anything karate, you find anything like that, um, those things just engulf our life. Those things um, bombard us and keep us busy and keep us away from the thing that is most important of, of building a godly home. Um, now, that's not to say that there's not a place for those things, um, but I think that, that if, if you're finding yourself w- with a lack of time, you need to evaluate, of are we overcommitting to something? Are we doing something that in the long run is counterproductive um, to our kids' discipleship and, and, and building a godly home? Another thing that needs to be examined is what do our dinner times look like? Are we all just sort of eating on our own, doing our own little family time? They're eating in front of the TV there. I mean, at the at the dinner um, 
table by myself or or I, I'm, I'm spending more time after um, work, working late, so I miss out on that family. We, we need to have the dinner time provides us an incredible benefit uh, of time spent together. There's an incredible resource that we have there. And so we might need to replace those, those daily routines and rhythms. Another thing might be evaluating um, the time that we have with friends or kids have with friends like, and, and, and the kind of friends that our kids have. Um, if we want to raise our kids for them to stay uh, on the course, um, to walk with the Lord, we need to be thoughtful about who we let our kids be be friends with. And, and that might seem controlling and manipulative, and I'm sure in the eyes of kids um, that might be the case. Um, but, but we have a responsibility as parents um, to, to be thoughtful um, and to lead our children in the right direction. And so um, that might mean, you know, calling some of those things into question. Uh, and so that from a daily perspective, th- those are rhythms that we can can build. And finally, we want we want to be ready to talk and to work through things um, that that happen in in between the cracks there. Um, when we're not doing this intentional rhythm time, when it's happening in the everyday stuff of life, when we're on the go, we're in the car, we're in the yard, we're working around the house. Um, we got to be able and, and be ready and be eager to step into those discipleship conversations. Um, what does God say about this? What, what does the Word of God say? Is there something that we can approve about this? Is there something that, that we need to um, correct according to the Word of God? And, and this goes for re- whether, um, you know, like a kid's behavior and, and disciplining a kid, or if you're watching a TV show or reading a book, um, asking those questions. Is this good? Um, does God say that this is lovely? Is this beautiful? Um, if not, what was bad about it? What 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 is good and what is bad? What honors God? What doesn't? Um, how should we? You know, how did it go? If they broke God's God's law, if they broke God's rules, um, how did it go for them? Um, and asking those, developing that biblical worldview of what what is what is the entertainment that we're consuming? What does it say? And is it is it a biblical worldview? And if it's not, that's fine. Um, as long as that's not your main course of, of what you're you're going to get your entertainment. Um, but we need to correct those things, be critical of those things. Um, same thing goes with um, how kids play with their siblings and dealing with relational and, and emotional issues on the go, right? You, you can't just sit down and, and plop open um, uh, systematic theology in the middle of, of a squabble. You got to be ready to on the fly address some of those things. And as, as kids build and play and create and use their imagination and, and, and learn how to have relationships with siblings and friends, um, we ought to be uh, doing what godly parents do, which is to affirm what is good, to commend them in what they are excelling in, and to correct what is out of line with the scriptures. And, and this isn't that we become a constant source of criticism, um, but but it's it's done out of love. We we do this because we love our children. We want them to be um, like like the flourishing, the blessed man in in Psalm chapter or in Psalm one. Um, and, and so all of this is very important. All of this, we really only have a limited amount of time. 18 years um, proves to be the training ground, the, the time domain for training your kids in the way of the Lord. Um, not just in the what, right? Not just making them a bunch of legalists, but in the why. Like, why do we do it this way? Why do we live our life in devotion to God like this? And what we see is the reason why we do this is because God is calling us into the good life, this this flourishing life, the, the prosperous life of Psalm 1. Um, and he's calling us to live in this kind of life um, with linked arms with other people. 
And so the foundation to do all of this work, to, to create these rhythms um, in, in sort of the, the more formal realm and the informal realm, the foundation is it all revolves around the scriptures. The word of God has to permeate every nook and cranny uh, of our homes. And, and that is what going to, is, is the primary thing that will lead us into developing a godly household. Um, not only does the word of God provide us the vision, for a godly household, it provides the means for us to do it. Um, it provides a spiritual resource, the energy. It's a conduit. It's a means of grace that God's power gets implanted in us through the reading and study of God's word so that we can do, um, we can live up to this high calling that's been placed upon us and devote our households to the word of God. And so let me encourage you, Sacred City Moline, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. Feast to flourish. Dig into the Word of God. Um, examine the current rhythms you have. Do you need to create new rhythms? Start small and work your way up. You don't need to. You don't need to bite off something more than what you can chew right now. Work your way into it. Create these these rhythms that will will turn into a lifelong pattern. Um, of habit for you, um, and know that as you do this, th- this is going to require some intentionality. It's going to require some work on your part. Um, but as you do this hard work, not only are you investing in, in your kids, the next generation, um, but you're in, investing in the generations to come. Um, you, you're setting the tone of this is what a godly household looks like. This is th- These are the benefits of a godly home. And, and you hope to create uh, such an appetite in, in your own kids that when they grow up and they have their own kids, they want to do the very same thing um, that you set out to do. And, and not only that are you investing in the generations, you are making an internal investment. Um, the godly homes that we build here now um, will last into the new heavens and new earth. It, it'll carry on into the future, into into the into eternity. And so know that it's time well spent. It's going to be difficult um, work, but let us do this. Let us commit our, commit us let us commit ourselves to doing this hard and godly work of building household a godly household for the Lord, knowing that we are dependent upon the Lord to do so. For if we do not depend on the Lord, if the Lord does not build the house, does not build the household, our labor is in vain. So let's get to our Bibles. Let's build these godly households, and let's do it for the glory of Jesus. I'll see you on Sunday.
That's all I got for today. Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, look upon you with favor and give you peace. I will see you on Sunday.